Hi, welcome to Sundance Shortscast. This is Mike Plant, Senior Programmer for the Sundance Film Festival, and I'm with two of the people responsible for the great short film, I Snuck Off the Slave Ship, Lonnie Holly and Matt Arnett. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having the film and having us here. How do you describe the film for people who haven't seen it yet? When somebody asks you, what is your film? I, I think it's uh, going to be mind-catching uh, to hear the music and see the filming of what we did with the makeover of the music. It's going to be fascinating. Mm-hmm. I think one of the one of the advantages we have with this film is because we faced these same challenges with Lonnie's music and with Lonnie's art. And for years, people have said, "What do you call it? What do you call the kind of art he makes? Mm-hmm. What do you call what 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 genre is that music?" Mm-hmm. And Lonnie's never made art to fit into anybody's house or museum or or you know Lonnie makes art for people's brains and and he makes music without his his influences musically are everything quite literally in fact in writing the liner notes for his record I wrote this long thing about Lonnie's history with recorded music and 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 how People have tried to categorize it, and and most people say you can't. It doesn't fit in any genre. In fact, Paste Magazine this year listed all of the genres of the music that their top records came from, and mm-hmm. they ended the paragraph by saying, "And whatever you want to call what Lonnie Holly does," <laughs> and uh, and so when we set out to make this film, and we we brought in our friend Cyrus Musavi and. And then uh, Charles Autumn and Brittany Nugent and and uh, and uh, Joy Davenport. We we explained that I mean they we all knew this was not gonna we weren't making anything that fit mm-hmm. you know it, and in some ways it even blurs the line between documentary and mm-hmm. and you know narrative and we just tried yeah. to follow Lonnie's brain. Because it shows a lot of your art, right? The film? Uh, pretty well, yes. Mm-hmm. A lot of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I can appreciate about it is that it still reflects my artistic movement and growth mm-hmm. as well as the film and what the title of it is all about. I've snuck off. I, with my imagination, I did this. Mm-hmm. So with my imagination, I have done most of all of my works. And then to take and make a film about imagination or imaginary uh, transporting mm-hmm. from one place to the other. Uh, hopefully, when it get out there, the filmers what I call filmers, uh, is people that going to see films or going to get a better understanding from videos or whatever, they will see that I'm moving from one point of our existence 
all the way to our future way out in space mm-hmm. to depth, depth, depths beyond what we know. Mm-hmm. And then the main thing of going is that we always have to, I remember when I was little, they said I'm blurring the bridges that you cross because you may have to cross them back to get back home. Mm-hmm. So the main thing is, it's what we do to get to the future. Do we destroy everything as we go? Because we, we as humans, we be so disruptive and we tear down on so much, but we call ourselves rebuilding and putting something else in its place. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we do that without preserving the history uh, of how it got to be done. Mm-hmm. Do you feel, was it interesting how to capture your artwork with a camera? Because I'm assuming you made a lot of the artwork thinking that people would see it in person. So did you have to be careful on how to catch it on camera so people could properly sort of experience your art? Well, over the years, if it hadn't have been for William Arnett, Matt's father, this is Matt Arnett, but uh, if it hadn't have been for William Arnett, seeing what my future intentions and material values were, objectivity that had uh, historical formats Mm -hmm. and how when I picked up on a piece of this, I picked up on a piece of that, and I put these here together, they created a story. And then for for others to actually have gotten anything from it, Back in the day, it would have had to had a place of being put on exhibit, mm-hmm. and that where that way it could have been better understood. But because I am who I am, and and the color of my skin, uh, those kind of things were a no. I mean, it was such a struggle to say this guy's thinking in a futuristic manner. This is what we're doing without saying he's playing or he's got some kind of entertainment idea that's going to thrill you. I don't want to thrill nobody. I want to actually get them to the next level above being thrilled about it Mm -hmm. to get the sense of true value. Well, and I think in, and I snuck off the slave ship, we weren't, you know, Lonnie's visual art wasn't really the focus there you know it's sort of hard to separate mm-hmm. um Lonnie from his art and from his music and you know his life and it's also interwoven but we didn't want to try to really feature his art I mean there were places mm-hmm. where he's surrounded by it but it's mostly details of him you're not really you know last summer we made a we made a, a music video for one of his songs uh, the song was called uh, Woke Up in a Fucked Up America. And Lonnie, in the last few years, has made so many pieces of art that are about the American condition. And and we, in that, you know, shorter, I mean, we call it a film, but it's, I mean, it served as a music video. Mm-hmm. We really tried to feature some of Lonnie's art mm-hmm. and leave it up on the screen long enough so that people could see it for a second and the images could start to register. But with I Snuck Off the Slave Ship, I don't think the art, we, you know, 
I don't think we tried too much to feature mm-hmm. his art. I mean, I think it's more it's, of a film than yeah. I don't think you know Lonnie. We Lonnie's art is so. I mean, again, it's vis, it's there, it's visible, and mm-hmm. he made a a hood ornament for the car, and he made this mask that he wore, mm-hmm. which are not exactly his art. I mean, he made right. those uh, as uh, elements for the film, but we tried. You know, his art gets a lot of attention and on its own, and I think. I don't know. I don't. It felt like the story was so powerful. This, the right. words, you know, and the, the. I mean, I wanted. I want people to focus and really listen to what he's saying in the song. Right. You know, right. and I think. How would you describe uh, the lyrics and what you're talking about in the song? I think what I was talking about in the song were imagination and how those imaginations can cause us to grow beyond whatever the conditions are that we have to face. (coughs) Excuse me. That we that we now have to face Mm -hmm. and we are going to have to keep facing as future exploration changes. Mm -hmm. Because if you listen at the music it was all about future exploration mm-hmm. from way back before I was even born. My great-grandparents or whatever came over on the slave ship. Maybe my great-grandfather, an old woman, telling him to hold his head up high. And then he being able to survive to get with my great great, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. In order to process me. Mm-hmm. So if you listen at the music, it's about processing. It's about making it through. No matter the, the cotton fields and the factories, the industries, mm-hmm. making it through the periods where we got things flying overhead and dropping bombs on us and destroying us is the main thing about any of that endurance is to say we survived it and learned how to then somehow or another have a journal or have a diary or have some type of way of keeping a record of it. And my art were the way of me keeping a record of this, of what I had ventured into by National Geographics, by mm-hmm. encyclopedias, or by whatever evident manner that was left behind for me to see or experience. And then to say, okay, the years of me being at the state fairground the years of me growing up around a drive-in theater, having so many movies come, coming through my brain intake mm-hmm. and sounds and things like this, pretty well is what I, I'm more like an ice cube, or, or I like the word, since I've seen a lot of them, bigger than or taller than I am, icicles <laughs> that is constantly melting. Mm-hmm but they don't melt all at once. I've seen single drips of water 
dripping from the icicle. It's so fascinating. But it's the same way with us as educators. We have these single drips of powerful ideas and thoughts that drip, 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 drip. And then if it comes mm -hmm. uh, a freeze all of a sudden, boom, no more drips. Everything is frozen in place. Mm -hmm. And it becomes history frozen in time. That's so nice. And you saw, you mentioned drive-in theater. You saw a lot of movies as a child because you were near a drive-in theater? I saw, I'd look at that drive-ins when I'm, I'm sure... For, for the placement of the drive-in, where it were, I can give memory to probably around four and a half. I started looking at drive-ins. and At five, I started laying on the top of the house with my own little shack that I had built on top of the house mm. with stereo sound because I had went through a big sewer pipe with a telegram wire and hooked up to the drive-in speaker post and took two of the speakers back out through the pipe, crossed the ditch, up the post to the top of my house, tied the wires up, and then I was laying between stereo sound. Wow. So this is kind of, it, it became and I look at it now when I'm thinking about it when Matt, uh, when I told his father about my life and when I tell Matt about my life as far as someone that has to write about the artist's productive manner, mm -hmm. I've always been involved with pretty well from five years old, mm -hmm. well from one and a half because at the drive-in, I started living at the drive-in at one and a half. Oh, wow. And then passed... Yeah, four and a half. No, at the drive-in. Oh. And this lady took me away from Mama when I was one and a half and started hanging out because she was a burlet dancer at the drive-in. Oh, wow. Fairground. Five, that's at the fairground. Yeah. I'm sorry, at the fairground. Yeah, fairground, not mm -hmm. the drive-in. The yeah. drive-in was later. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. What he just corrected me about yeah. were my earlier from one and a half to... Four and a half, I was moving around and about from Carnival to Fairground. Mm -hmm. Carnival to Carnival, Fairground to Fairground, because the woman that was taking me around was a burlet dancer. And so she would pass me to one of her friends to hold the baby, um, watch the baby until I get through dancing and blah, blah, say. So there was sometimes during that period when I started growing old enough to walk or mm -hmm. to crawl, maybe I, I thought about it because I was trying to see myself from the period of actually first by myself encounter with different things. Mm -hmm. and so I'm sure around two or three, I'm getting out, doing more. What I liked it to do was to find what was being awarded the best ribbons, uh -huh. the animals and creatures and things. I'm sure I was around just seeing how they was fed, 
how they was, you know, just kept in that fair, in that contained uh, perimeter. Mm -hmm. So all of those things was fed into me, into my brain, plus all of the hustle and bustle of, come on in, see, blah, blah, say, this is what, <laughs> one thin dime, you get a chance to see the two-headed, you see what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, you get a chance to see these attractions. So all of these attractions were uh, still a part of my life. And then when I got to start living at the uh, this drive-in situation, I start being fed movie after movie after movie after movie, no matter what it were. And a lot of the movies was mostly fiction mm -hmm. of futuristic, mo we're moving towards future happening on Earth. Yeah, did you have a couple of favorites? What do you remember when you think uh, about them? I'm, as far as little, smaller, and what was my favorite, I could not say that the movie, the drive-in, at my earliest period of, of drive-in, I understood them good enough to say I had favorites. Mm -hmm. But there were times that you had science fiction that made you feel better than mm -hmm. just something of, of actors, a bunch of actors on a stage. Yeah, the, mm -hmm. the things where a whole lot of movement or uh, a lot of modalization, uh, transformation or are Mm -hmm. just making transporting something somewhere. Right. Well, and the other thing is what I learned uh, over the decades of knowing Lonnie is he has a photographic memory and his uh, auditory memory is the same way. So if he's seen something or heard something, he never forgets it. Mm -hmm. And But because of the way he grew up and and living in essentially this foster home with the McElroys from... Four and a half, you know, four until he was eleven, he didn't really get to go to school a lot. He wasn't, you know, school wasn't a big part of his uh, mm -hmm. of his life. I mean, it, you know, it, and then when he was eleven, you know, you have to remember he was, you know, right in the middle of the Jim Crow South and right in those pivotal moments of the the formative years of the civil rights movement and. Lonnie had found out that he had her that where he was living wasn't his real family, mm -hmm. and he went searching for. He had heard his mom lived out by the airport, and he would, you know, go not the roads necessarily, but through the creeks and the ditches, and mm -hmm. you know, behind the buildings, and try to go find his mom, find his family, and he would he you know searched as often as he could get away, and on one of those returns uh, at night. He got picked up with some other kids uh, by the police. Uh, there was a curfew for, you know, essentially black youth yeah. in Birmingham. And Bull Connor, the, the uh, public safety commissioner, which is about the nicest term for a guy like that they could have come up with. Um, Lonnie got picked up in a like a, basically a street sweep and... Mm -hmm. Took him to jail and didn't, he hadn't really done anything, but he got sent to this place called the Alabama Industrial School for Negro Children, which was, again, the word school is a joke. There was no, 
school and the kids were beaten and they were, you know, worked on chain gangs, worked on the, you know, on the highway crews and they made uniforms for the military and they pick, he picked cotton. But if you couldn't pick a hundred pounds of cotton, you got your ass beat. Lonnie didn't know the first, he was a city kid. He didn't know the first thing about picking cotton. And he was there for almost four years, brutal, horrible conditions. We've since been back to visit the place where he was is all boarded up now. But, um, the federal government shut this place down in 1971, reopened it later as like a youth detention center. And now it's like a, mm -hmm. you know, a whatever, you know, like a youth detention center. And, um, but it was a horrible place. And, and, uh, you know, Lonnie went from not the greatest life, but living in this whiskey house brothel that bordered the state fairgrounds and the drive-in theater and when he wanted to get away, he would climb up on the roof and watch movies all night mm -hmm. or go through the little, uh, do you call it the vibe? What do you call the little, the tunnel, the sewer pipe, sewer pipe mm -hmm. over into the state fairgrounds and go walk the midway and listen to music. And, mm -hmm. you know, farmers were bringing all their big, you know, best. And like he says, you know, he was, he grew up seeing the biggest and the best of everything at the state fair. That's what people brought there and being born right into entertainment yeah for me that was to think about it i'm i'm thinking because you know going down the ditch digging worms and then crawling through the sewer pipe i think of how dirty i must have looked <laughs> as a little child walking through but this didn't matter to me because I was only interested in learning more and exploring. So, uh, again, now that you get older and you have to deal with how people's appearances uh, causes them to either be or not to be. And just back in those days, even though that was a period where you would be called a little Negro child, it wasn't one of those scenes that, you know, it wasn't just separated from your being just because of your smartness or how interesting things were to you. But my thing were the experience, because every time I would go somewhere, it would almost leave me wanting to know how it's going to be the next day. Or if there's going to be new turkeys that's going to get the blue ribbon, the new, is there going to be a bigger horse, a bigger cow that get, get the next ribbon? I'm always looking forward. I was always looking forward for years to see what was going to be the outcome. Even that's all the way to the materials and things that actually motors and industrial parts, manufacturing, or something that had been manufactured for bigger and huger. We saw train motors that, you know, cylinders and everything that made the trains move. 
so you, you my thing mm-hmm. I had got a chance to see some things that some of the even grown in humans had never saw. If you look at from five years old at the drive-in theater all the way to my 10th to 11th year, mm-hmm. maybe 10 and a half, then being picked up and put into this Alabama Industrial School for Negro Children, which being put there, mm-hmm. I learned so many agriculture moves. Mm-hmm. I learned not only planting uh, and growing and harvesting, but I learned how actually the process of animal slaughter and all of these other things, cooking the meats and putting them in, the, back in the day it's called surplus food because we did everything for the military. So we cooked up all of this stuff. We made cheese and different things. We packaged it, all this stuff. Then we sent it off through Alabama distributing of their products. So I, I learned so much. It, Lonnie's, uh, you know, is, he's had obviously so much success now. It took a long time for people because, again, his art didn't fit. Right. People called him, you know, a self-taught, you know, visionary, outsider, mm-hmm. all of these things that I've heard Lonnie say they cling to him like an ill-fitted suit. Right. And then when he started making music, people didn't know what to call it. Right. Um, well, it doesn't make much sense because like anybody is self-taught. If they're that good, they're talented. Right. It, if, comes, uh, from, I mean, every, it comes from within. There's like, who are you going to teach to be this good? Right. I mean, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Who, who is going to be Who's the teacher, the teacher that's going to be able to teach somebody like Lonnie, what all of these materials do and what their purpose was. And, you know, nobody, no teacher out there has the experience with, you know, the materials that Lonnie has. So how, you know, and if you're trying to make a statement, whether it's just, you know, historical or political Mm -hmm. or whatever, like his materials are a big part of what his art is about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, his, his music was the same way. And, and he's, you know, luckily for us, he didn't ever, he never tried to conform to what was expected, you know, and mm-hmm. and he doesn't, you know, like he did a show a few years ago with the band Bon Iver and we showed up and they were sound checking and Lonnie was like, are these guys playing tonight too? You know, like, <laughs> no, you know, it's like right. most bands would, you know, die to get a spot like that you know it's like when when we found out the film got in Sundance I called Lonnie and I knew it was going to be one of those strange conversations because I knew Lonnie didn't know what Sundance was sure and I called him and I said hey you know I got great news you know we submitted the film and we got accepted to Sundance and there was a long pause (laughs) and there was another long pause and Lonnie said I'll be happy to dance for the sun anytime. And that was it. And then he was like, what does that mean? It's great. Yeah. And so then I explained to him, you <laughs> but, know, what the, yeah. what this festival was and, yeah. you know, but you're always happy. You seem to be happy that audiences get to experience all of your art. And it seems like you have a good time interacting with audiences. I think the educated manner, no matter if it's just the 
crumbs of it. I, I've noticed how even just the crumbs of what we waste, something can partake of them. So I've, 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 because I've been hurt in so many different ways about my mentality and rejected to get a chance to expose it, uh, thousands of pieces being bulldozed and buried because of, because of lack of giving time to understand it. Not saying lack of understanding, but do you have time to understand me? I remember I did a piece um, on the other side of the pulpit, and that was a song that I did because I could not never get a chance to sing in church. My grandmother wanted me to sing, my mother wanted me to sing, but as for a testimony period, it wasn't t enough time there. So when a person, uh, a friend of mine, now a great friend of mine, uh, Bradford Cox from Deer Hunter and Cole Alexander from Black Lips sharing together with me in collaboration mm -hmm. and what we took and did with almost nothing, little scraps of anything that could make a noise. Because people holler, well, you just making a noise. I, what, what that fuss you making? <laughs> I really loved it, the concept of saying, I'm just doing what the Bible has said. Make a joyful noise unto. So whatever I had, I used it. Mm -hmm. That became my noise of I can do. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So the whole thing with that and continuing to do it, no matter how much hurt, no matter how many blows I had to take, I was like whoever the fighters were, uh, you know, you take that punch and you, you do whatever you got to do and you continue to move forward uh, to become the greatest, as Muhammad Ali say. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But practice made him the greatest. Being, he was a practice object for somebody to keep, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's all of these people that had been objected to mm -hmm. being practiced on. Mm -hmm. Giving you time. And, and my thing was, when I went to Mr. Redford's house the other day, Robert Redford, I'm looking at, wow, is this where the conditioning this where the heart of it were. The festival. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The heart of Sundance. If this way it were, and I'm seeing how long it took to get there, mm -hmm. and thinking about the earlier days of travel to get there, mm -hmm. not only getting here by airplane or whatever, transportation you had to get there, and back in those days, how much of a struggle it were for to develop this thing mm -hmm. here. Yeah. A lot of the stuff had to come from Hollywood, be shown here, mm -hmm. be screened here, and given parts here. So the thing, that struggle that I had endured, 
I'm, I'm saying, wow, lots of people have endured something even more strangulous or stressful than what I have. Mm -hmm. So, you know, mm -hmm. that's my point of I will dance for the sun at any time. <laughs> I really yeah. didn't know what yeah. Sundance meant, yeah. but now that I've seen what it's all meant, and I, I, there hadn't been a day that we've been here that we haven't had any sun. Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's true. That's, un, that's it unusual. Is, yes. Yeah. And unusual. so it's been like, you know, my reasons yeah. for being here and the way it was yeah. put. It, we were, yeah. It's actually a really funny story. We were standing, me and Lonnie in uh, Virginia, uh -huh. we're standing out waiting for the bus uh, last weekend and we were standing there staring at the beautiful mountains and with all the snow and Lonnie was looking up and he turned to us and he said, you know, I just don't think I could make it up there. I'm not sure I could adapt. And Virginia looked and she said, Lonnie, I think you could make it up that mountain and you'd be just fine. And Lonnie said, well, I was actually talking about the moon. And we looked up above the mountains and the moon was up there. And Virginia said, Lonnie, that's the, that's the, that's the problem here is all the rest of us are talking about getting to the tops of mountains and you're thinking about leaving the earth. Well, and that, you know, that's the, uh, if anybody needs motivation to finish whatever kind of art they do, you're one of the main people they should look to, to finish this much art that you've done, to complete what you started in all of the forms of art, and nobody cared if you finished it, nobody cared if you even started it, and for you to finish these things on your own is what's really the kind of perseverance, the kind of um, things that other people can look up to. Because so often, if somebody doesn't tell you you're good or you're interesting or they want you to do something, you always have to pull it from yourself, and it's very difficult. I think Baby Being Born and A Piece Called Time were the two pieces that went to the Smithsonian in, in the 80s. And uh, Baby Being Born, just a piece of sculpture like that about a child being born and having to struggle from birth, having to learn to crawl, having to learn to stand on its own, having to learn to sit when it is in the process of learning and being still enough to learn and then having to learn to go through life and then let that same fashion be its cradle place and be the place of its gravely manner. That was one time where that we could come upon the earth no matter where we were and we can I can see us out there with the tools that we have today. We can cut that mountain down and can, we can use all that we cut away from the mountain and build our cities. But if we don't learn the interior of the mountain as we take away from it, you see, my thing always has been an example of what it is that we are involved with. And that came from my struggling to try to catch the bait, to catch the worm, or trap the crawdad out of its hole. See, because I used to be in the ditch so much. Mm -hmm. But the crawdaddy now, he will be out of his hole. But if you doesn't put some kind of perimeter around that hole. If he 
if he sensed you coming, you're going to back right into that hole. <clears throat> My thing as a five-year-old, I learned how to put a, take sticks and put around that crawdad hole, and I would catch the crawdad that way. You see, but it's always that you got to be able to give time and observing. And this is the reason why I'm, if I can, these moments could be heard mm-hmm. for anybody that start any project. The main thing of anything we do is don't stop in the middle of what you start. Finish it. Whether you're going to have somebody like it or not. I didn't know whether nobody going to like this or not. Well, Matt say, Lonnie, here, here it is. We're finna take this and make this film. I'm saying, okay, let's go for it. Mm-hmm. How have audiences been here? In uh, response to I, I mean, every show that, that's what they call it, a short. Yeah. But it's been three, four, no, four shows in what I was short. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing claps. And for the one that they liked it the best. And we got some good loud claps. <laughs> I can't say I know how to measure uh, That's uh, good. Yeah. success yeah. by the claps, but I'm, I'm, I was. I think snuck out the slayship drew more tears mm-hmm. than the other three films. It drew more tears, and it, again, not so much of trying to make people feel moodier or that he needs pity, I want them to understand that life is for real. This is not a play place. The conditions that we have to endure Mm -hmm. is more serious than we could ever imagine. If we don't believe that, right now as we speak, if you look at the temperatures that Chicago and other places around Lake Michigan is having to endure, Mm -hmm. and that wind is going to blow off of that, and go on down through the perimeter of America and make America's at this time in February, which will be tomorrow, feel, hey, man, our climate or our climate change or whatever, else our environmental effect by ozone mm-hmm. uh, is, is, is really, really, excuse me, fucked up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think the response has been great. Mm-hmm. You know, I think and we're we're we were really lucky to have a a block where a lot of the films really sort of moved from one through the next. Mm-hmm. And there was a it felt like a lot of even though they're not any they're not alike, but there are similarities and you can tell mm-hmm. that all of the people that were working on those films are have been affected by the world we live in. And mm-hmm. I yeah. think people, I think the response has been good. Mm-hmm. And it's, we're, you know, excited, um, you know, even post Sundance to see what, what happens with the film. Yeah. I mean, we don't really, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. we don't have any, Right. Aspirate. I mean, we just mm-hmm. want it to be able to be out there and for people to see it. I think that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And does dealing with audiences, seeing your work, and responding, does that give you some more hope for the future? Does it make you even more excited to get to the future that people are responding now that they can see your work and have some time with it? 
I think what Myth has brought this uh, album, Myth. Your new album. Yeah, what it has brought about is opportunities for us to do more either videos or film works. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it it is going to give them, the audience, a chance to hear the Mm -hmm. folks seeing Mm -hmm. my productive manner. Mm -hmm. And I'm appreciative that we do now have a digital outlet for this to happen a lot more quicker Mm -hmm. than, uh, say, Lonnie Holly won this award or won Best Award in America for uh, Snuck Out the Slave Ship. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've never looked for to Mm -hmm. get a Grammy or with Oscar or anything else. (laughs) But uh, hopefully we'll see what it's going to move on to. Do you think do you think these different art forms affect people differently, whether it's a physical piece in a room or hearing something or seeing a movie? From my experience of going into museum settings, uh, I've been you again. I've been looking at people's presentations mm-hmm. ever since I was a small child. So these presentations actually again, started at the fairground. The next presentation was the drive-in theater. Because you got to remember back in the 60s or early, uh, later parts of the 50s, there were a period when there was almost like we're trying to doctor on the mental. We're trying to get you out of sadness Mm-hmm. after the wars that had occurred of the mm-hmm. 40s and the 30s. So m- movies and film were that transformation of, okay, this is what happened. Let us digest it. We chop it up like a potato salad, and now we're going to feed it to you, and you're going to digest it and everything it's gonna be all right. We can't. We we can't say that a betterment can come about unless you be strong enough to get out there and work that betterment and rebuild after this destructive manner. And I think that's what that's what I learned was every time that they shut the fair down, they tore it all down. I'm saying. I get up, and it's gone. And I wasn't with it any longer mm-hmm. as a little boy. I was left behind in a whiskey house, longing for what I had been used to traveling with. So you got to remember that was a lonesome little boy sitting in the corner because he was used to going along and seeing the tents and seeing everything seeing every place sit up, seeing people out of their costumes, all of this stuff. And then it's almost like me, I I always sing about fiction and I always sing about uh, being beaten, my curiosity was beat out of me. I couldn't have an opportunity to be curious no more. 
uh, when I was in Alabama Industrial School for Negro Children mm -hmm. because I had to stay on point. I had to stay on point. I had to get that 50 pounds of cotton before noon and I had to get that 50 pounds of cotton before 5 or 6 o'clock in the evening. That made that 100 pounds. Mm -hmm. I, and I couldn't think of nothing else but the cotton on that bush or picking up how many other watermelons that I had to pick up, or picking up how many other pecans I had, or plucking how much ever vegetation that I had to pluck. So I think that's the thing about, I'm not trying to say that slaves were processed to be slaves, and slaves only, by whatever their productive manners were. But they didn't have time to think about nothing else. It feels a, a little, for me, having watched Lonnie's career as an artist, I didn't know him when he first started making art, but I was lucky to meet him not long, not too long after he started making art mm -hmm. through my dad. And what, you know, Lonnie's, Lonnie's art, which sounds a little weird, his sculptures were so cinematic and each you know, and, and people have written essays, long essays about just one sculpture because it it packs so much of his life and the life of the community he lived in and the history of those people into one piece. And and then he's, you know, he's was singing and he started singing about the same things he was making his art about. And 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 those some of those early songs Lonnie was singing, he found a karaoke machine. He started making tapes of himself and mm -hmm. he would put them in the car and he would be like, listen to this. This what I, you know, and he'd, we'd get and we would drive and he would, the tape would start and he would be singing and it would just keep, the song would just, and the tape would go, you'd hear the tape and it would flip back over and he was still singing. <laughs> and so he would do these like 90 minute songs. I mean, he would just start, playing and being inspired and and then when he actually started when we actually started going into a studio and recording with professional engineers and and all of that and then even once more bringing Lonnie started collaborating and we would have great people mm -hmm. collaborating and we should mention uh, Marlon Patton and and uh, Dave Nelson and Shazad Ismaili who were the collaborators on the song I Snuck Off the Slave Ship mm -hmm. but all of Lonnie's music from those very first the very first song we ever recorded sort of professionally was a song called Six Space Shuttles and 144,000 Elephants and it like you I go back I mean even at the moment we were recording it I'm thinking my god this is like a, I mean it's a film like the mm -hmm. story he's telling is you know, it's like some epic sci I don't know what. It's not a, a you know, film like you could ever get the budget to make. <laughs> but, uh, but every song, every subsequent song, you know, you hear them and they sound, you know, because of Lonnie's experience, it's so visual. Mm -hmm. He paints through words and he does it with found materials. He paints yeah. these pictures that are so elaborate. And mm -hmm. the, you know, actually taking one of his songs and trying to figure out a way to take his vision and make a film out of it. Mm -hmm. It seems like a natural, like all of this was just 
you know, not that film is like the penultimate, you know, no, just form, a, it's a good it's, companion. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, no, it's a good companion, and and it and it works together the way you guys did it. You know, because the first, the best thing you could do possibly is spur someone's imagination, give them something to think about, and give them something they didn't expect. Yeah, so. I mean, I think that's, you know, a lot of people. One of the things that I think we were not prepared for coming here. Um, is a lot of people have been like, what's next? What, what's in it? And it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I always... I, you've if, done a lot and you'll keep doing more. Yeah, I mean, I always envision that, you know, Lonnie's life is a film. His, his life. If somebody, you know, maybe somebody that's listening to this podcast will go dig up the New York Times magazine article or The Guardian or read some of, you know, or Lonnie's autobiography, which mm-hmm. he wrote with... Uh, with our friend Ted Rosengarten Mm -hmm. for a a book that came out a few years ago about Lonnie's art. Like maybe somebody would be like, man, this is the most, he might be the most fascinating, (laughs) you know, forget the Dos you know, guy, the most interesting (laughs) man in America. It's hard for me to um, imagine somebody with a richer life that has touched on so many important parts of America and and been in so many places it's almost like Forrest Gump all the yeah, movement you know Lonnie was one of the very first sh- uh, cooks at Disney World he he worked at Disney World when it opened right I it's, mean it's just like incre- you know it's like it's a it's a, a life well earned uh, the film's great we're excited well, to we show appreciate it. it and we can't yeah. you know I, I know you guys I think you said it the other night 9,400 films to pick yeah. 70 or whatever and we're well this is one of the more unique ones so I, I yeah. think Theo uh, must say the flame of fame should never whoever the person that is doing the productive manner should never allow the flame of fame to burn them out mm-hmm. be above the flame. It's actually, you may want to put that <laughs> as a song, Matt. Because <laughs> that, that, uh, I tried to think of something mm-hmm. that's going to be able to sell, tell every child on earth that your dreams can be made possible through brainsmithing, through the continuation of you being just an example to another. You think about how many children that was less fortunate than I have been that probably could, their mother can say, come sit down and let's listen at this together because hopefully this podcast could be heard over and over and over again mm-hmm. and somebody can pull their children together and after coming in from school and say, listen, you need to listen at this right here. Uh, for what? For the betterment of inspiration. And I just say thumbs up for Mother Universe to Sundance and everybody that made it possible. We need to end on that. Yes. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Well, thumbs up for Mother Universe. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs>